I think there's a really interesting thing in terms of um, what technology can and will do in the future in terms of replicating the student-teacher relationship or student-educator relationship. And I think that's where you're going to see a lot of the innovation in, in the future in the industry. On today's Tech Talks, we are talking to Tara Looney, the CPO at the Shaw Academy. And we're talking all about the exponential, I don't want to say growth, but boom in online education due to the pandemic. However, the key question is, is this going to see a real sea change in attitudes and a difference in how education is not only administered, but delivered in coming years? This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, where we interview leaders from across the industry and bring you some technology news. Welcome to Friday's edition of the podcast. Joining me, Akish, but also Hayley, back on the show after furlough in the summer. Yes, I'm very happy to be back as well. Are you actually? (laughs) No, I actually am. It's so nice. It's like a fresh start. I love how Keisha's just sitting there with his with his hands behind his head, kind of looking all relaxed now that there's well, someone else in charge. Yeah, exactly. Chilling now. Now that there's another co-host, I'm, I can you know I can afford to not be uh, not be hundred percent. Not that I was before. Hey, well, look, you know, I know Haley's a bit nervous about going back on the show, but I won't worry because you know this week the the bar has been pretty, set pretty low by the American presidential debates for online content. So as long as we're better than that, we're fine. I'm just a bit yeah. rusty at talking in general, I think. <laughs> you can string together coherent sentences. It's better than, better than they can. So, yeah, we're, we're fine. We're fine. As, as we're going we're we're to be all right. As long as we're not going in on each other's families and, you know, just absolutely low-blowing each other. Yeah. Which was ridiculous. I think it's we're free from that. Though. Yeah, but the presidential debate shouldn't be funny, although... Yeah. I mean, it, it, Christ, it, it, it gives a bit of entertainment in a pandemic to watch, you know? Yeah. Uh, Somehow they will have an effect on us, obviously, with America being America, but... Yeah, special relationship and all that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyway, no one... I don't think anyone learned anything from the debate that they didn't already know, but one thing that people can learn lots from is the Shore Academy. Seamless link. There we go. Um, Today's guest is Tara Looney, the CPO of Shore Academy. We'll hand over to the interview and then we'll be back with some commentary before a quick bit of tech news. So today we're talking to Tara Looney, the CPO at the Shaw Academy, joining us from Dublin. How are you? I'm very good, David. Lovely to be speaking with you. And you, and you. I think you're the second guest that I've had on the show from Dublin during uh, during lockdown. So it's always fun to, to, to talk to kind of Irish neighbours and find out how everything's going over there. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, I, I think we're kind of all going through the, the lockdown at the same speed. So um, a, a, an awful lot happening both here and, and in London, I guess. How how does Dublin feel at the minute, if you let me to kind of digress? Because London, in the centre of London, it's a bit of a ghost town. I've only been to Dublin once, but I kind of got the feeling there was more residential kind of areas closer into the city centre that I suppose might give it a bit more buzz than London has. Yeah, and it would very definitely in, in normal times, the centre of Dublin and, and, you know, unlike London, like on the Saturday and, and weekend nights, centre of Dublin would be buzzing. Mm. Um, you know, big shopping, big going out, very sociable restaurants, all of that type of thing. And residential was huge, but but that's it really flipped now with um, post-lockdown. People are still staying in the suburbs and a lot of the big employers around town, all the big tech companies tend to employ um, very close to the city centre and a lot of the government departments. And they're kind of two of the biggest cohorts that haven't gone back to the office. So yeah. it's it's kind of got to Dublin a bit and, and socially 
still quite quiet at weekends but look hopefully that will start getting better now that people are back from holidays um, and yeah. because it's kind of a holiday period over the last couple of months as well but um yeah i think you know people enjoying going out but um it's still quieter than it was and look, as a segue into what we're going to be talking about, you know, you've got Trinity College in, in, the, in the heart of Dublin. And I suppose this time of year, it's reasonably quiet because it's out of term time anyway. But that impact will be felt even more keenly, I guess, later on in this month and into next month when you'd expect students to be arriving. Um, it's, it's a nice segue to talk about uh, Shore Academy working in the education sector. Yeah. What, 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 first of all, does Shore Academy do? And then when, once we've covered that, how how does the education landscape look right now? Sure. Look, Show Academy is an online education company. We deliver courses, um, short courses, for students to consume online. It's it's a purely online um, platform. Um, the courses that we offer are about four months long, and we tend to focus very much on, on kind of courses that we can deliver practical outcomes. And to give you a bit of a flavor, it's, it's things like photography, digital marketing, nutrition, graphic design, trading, which was actually our original course. Um, and, and, you know, we've, we, we really tend to focus, I guess, in terms of the quality of the content um, is, is really thinking about how can students over the four months, you know, build up their skills from pretty basic to kind of being quite an expert, but certainly with very big focus on practical outcomes. Um, my role as CPO is to manage both, I guess, the education department in terms of all the content that we develop, but also tech and product. So, you know, did the, the sort of all consuming student experience and really thinking about how can we make the student experience as interactive and engaging as possible. I was going to say, so, so your question was about, you know, where were we pre all of this? I think in, in a position that we were, um, you know, doing really well, the beginning of the year was seeing a really big growth ed tech is something that's kind of been building at various levels, you know, sort of certainly not slow, but but not hyper growth either as as a, um, I guess, as an industry. Um, and obviously, COVID has changed that entirely. Um, and, and lockdowns all over the world have changed that entirely. Um, and I think to the extent that people think about education in a very different way, um, I guess from a show perspective, um, it was quite incredible for us. Um, the, the way we think about it is kind of six years of growth in about six six weeks, maybe 12 weeks. Um, and, you know, th that was both in terms of the hyper growth in student numbers. So we, we had absolute record massive increases in terms of the number of people. So we're about, I think, about 12 million people that um, have studied with us in 2012. And, and certainly a lot more have been in, in the latter months than, than the first couple. Um, and certainly the volume of courses has grown um, exponentially in, in that period of time as well. And we're not just, sorry, just to make sure that this is abundantly clear to anyone listening, we are not just talking about your traditional FE, HE education. We are talking about mature students. We're talking about people um, in the workforce looking for additional um, education and learning experiences, right? Yeah, look, exactly right. Um, and, you know, interesting, our platform is available for everybody. It's it's not, it doesn't replace university education. It's not intended to be a university education. It's certainly intended to be for anybody. We have, you know, high incidence of, of young university students, but, but even more so, we go right into age groups. And we saw, I think, nearly a 500% increase in, in um, age groups of 50 and over um, over the last three or four months who've signed up to do various courses. So, so they're very much things um, that, that kind of range from hobby courses to things that people want to do that are more professional. Um, and the goals that students tell us or, or the things that tell us that students tell us are their goals. 
um, certainly reflect that. So you, you've got goals. The key goals that our students have is, you know, sort of wanting to learn a new hobby, things like self-improvement, professional improvement, skills they want to learn in terms of starting a business and of getting a promotion within their existing role or company. Now, you're based in Dublin. The business, though, goes far beyond that, right? Yeah, um, that's right. We have been um, certainly a global company for a very long time. Our CEO several years ago went over to India um, and um, and developed and, and founded kind of the tech team who are based in Bangalore. Um, and, you know, they're, they're not an outsourced team. They're very, very much part of the company. Um, and we've now got, I think, 65 people working in our tech team, again, having grown from certainly doubled, if not tripled um, in the last three or four months. So, um, so so India is a really, really big part and has been for a number of years. Um, last year, we also opened up in Cape Town and um, a sales team, our sales team are based in Cape Town. Um, and I um, kicked off the development of our, our kind of our new educator team in Cape Town as well. So we started off with one person in July of last year. And we've now got, I think, about 40 people in that team um, based out of Cape Town. And that's where all of the educational content is delivered and developed. Um, we also have a team of um, people that work for us on business development um, and customer support in the U.S. So, um, sorry, is, is, is your student footprint mirrored by that organizational footprint or is it even more extensive? Um, our student footprint is is mirrored Sorry, it's mirrored in, in the sense that it's global. Um, we are we are very very much a global business. So based in Dublin, but Ireland is is a minute percentage, like one two percent of of our overall student base. Um, and so the main English speaking company um, countries such as the US, the UK, South Africa, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, etc. Um, comprise a very, very large part of our student base. But I think that that also speaks to the fact that um, until about a month ago, we only had English language courses. So, you know, all of the courses that we had at the beginning of COVID, they were all in the English language. um, And we took the opportunity during the lockdown to actually develop, well, to start off a language team. Um, and have recently launched and, and by tomorrow will have launched in five different languages. So we expect to see the global footprint across LATAM, um, across Europe, um, you know, anywhere that they're mainly European languages at the moment. And we expect to see our footprint grow in those areas. We, we do, though, have um, cohorts of students everywhere around the globe. So, you know, sort of from Russia to Qatar to, you know, sort of various parts of Africa where we've done um, a lot of work. Um, Asia, because of the Indian base, and and we offer free education to students in India. We have a very, very large Indian um, student base. So so very, very much truly a global student experience. I I suppose the reason for asking that is I'm just kind of curious how it's grown. You know, you, you mentioned that rapid increase. And I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that that's driven by traditional education not having a choice but to switch from a physical to an online environment and that fueling growth and then possibly also people sat at home as you said more time on their hands looking for hobbies and so on and so forth but i I suppose that the long-term ambition for for online education might be that accessibility piece maybe kind of in the developing world where you've got a difficulty for accessibility for, for physically getting to um, a place of education and all of a sudden that being available to them via the internet. 
Look, I think you're absolutely right. And, and you raised three or four really, really good points um, in that. So, you know, certainly in the beginning, the accelerated growth, we saw a huge amount of people in the very early days of lockdown, um, a huge spike in people who were telling us their goals around learning a new hobby. Um, you know, and, and, and certainly we surmised from that that it's, you know, people in lockdown kind of went, well, what am I going to do with my time? Let's do an online course, a hobby, something they may ne- never have thought of before. That is now very, very much changed in terms of, um, people for any number of reasons, but but some of those that, that you're talking about. So people genuinely wanting to learn a new skill, whereas previously they may have done, you know, some sort of a course in, in some kind of an, like not necessarily even a university. They may have done a night course. They may have done, you know, something in a local institution. That's not an option. And so they're doing it online. Um, and, and learning their skill and whether it's a hobby or a professional skill. Um, and then we see, obviously, a huge growth of, of people who um, are now thinking about it. You know, again, I, I won't go so far as to say replacing university education, but are thinking about it as their third level, irrespective of their age group. Um, and I do think there's kind of been a new norm in terms of how people think about learning online um, that has grown out of, of, I suppose, the lockdown and, and the pandemic, that the people are now looking at courses, assessing the quality of the content um, versus whether they're doing it in person or online. And, and I think that's con- going to continue to fuel the growth of the company. Um, and particularly as we look into things like jobs of the future, like that people are really, um, and whether they need to change their um, skill set or learn a new skill set or they want to upskill, cross-skill, et cetera. And being able to do it in a way that's really, really accessible and and even more so affordable. Um, And and that's the the, the key thing about Shaw is what we offer our um, courses that are focused on practical outcomes. They're accessible because you can do them online no matter where you are. um, And they're very, very affordable compared to some traditional courses and, and I suppose institutions that may offer them. Out of interest, you've you've kind of alluded there to the fact that obviously with, with the pandemic, there's there's a huge shift going on um, in in the employment market and sector at the moment. Obviously, unfortunately, a huge amount of people are facing redundancy and job losses. Uh, and you've also mentioned about the the age of your students on the platform. Have you seen particular courses uh, surge in demand that might reflect how people are beginning to feel about? whether or not they're employable and what or what kind of work they might look for. Yeah, we, we've seen um, some of our courses like um, Intro to Tech and Coding, as an example, that, that's had a massive, massive jump. Um, and, and that to us was very much, it was intended to be a basics, learn from basics um, about technology as a subject. Um, and then bringing gently, rather than somebody who already knew technology to learn a particular language. So if you don't know anything about technology, you can't just, it's very, very challenging to jump straight into learning a specific coding language. Whereas the, this course was about actually understanding the nuts and bolts of tech and then, you know, moving gently into various languages. That that has seen a huge jump. Uh, something like graphic design, which would have always been popular, is is continues to be. And again, if you think about it, graphic design is something that you could do as a very small business on the side. Um, so again, we, we see people jumping into things like that. Um, we've, you know, courses like data analytics, Excel, um, uh, data science, computer science, all of those things, which we know are very much jobs in demand. And um, we've also seen 
like a growth in some of the hobbyist courses. So uh, we have a cooking course that, that's doing really well. We have creative writing. Um, we have a blogging course. And, and they're all things that you imagine people could use to do some like work on the side, be a sole trader if needed. And whether it's, you know, either as a consulting uh, consulting work or setting up a business that they could do, you know, on the side or, you know, at least do part time working from home. All of these are things that we've seen a lot of growth in. Um, and because either they've launched or they've been existing courses over the last two or three months. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So look, um, what do you see the future being? We're kind of talking very much about the trend, the boom, where people are looking right now. Um, I'd be interested to know whether or not you see this being something that's a bit of a flat. I mean, I imagine that your your student numbers will kind of retain some of that growth, but will they will they naturally shrink back a little as the world begins to get back to some kind of hybrid between where we've been for the last few months and and where we were? And and how do you then see that growth being fueled going forward? I I honestly do believe that there's been a shift and and you know obviously a lot of market commentators will 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 talk about and have varying views. Personally I believe that that education and particularly education online um I think that you know what what everybody and what we've experienced in the last 6 months is is going to you know I think has produced a new norm for education online so I actually you know, I, I think there'll be fluctuations, but I do see that the kind of accelerated growth is something that I think will continue. Um, and I think that for kind of a number of reasons. And one very big part is I think there's more of an, a, an acceptance around doing courses online than there may have been in the past. Um, I think particularly around practical skills, I think sometimes the traditional options may not necessarily have offered um, so many opportunities for practical skills. Um, I think, you know, courses that, that people want to learn at their own pace, um, they, you know, they, they may not have felt confident and, and um, capable to do in universities. And, and more than anything, I think education has been very expensive and continues to be um, extremely expensive for people to access. So, so if you're in a position, for example, whether you've lost your job you've been furloughed, you've been, you know, you're on reduced payments. There's, there's a whole variety of reasons that you may not be able to pay fees of, you know, of education providers because they, they are very, very expensive and they're prohibitive for a huge sector um, of the population. And I think that's where online education, the, the, the combination of it being, I guess, a lot more acceptable, the combination of it being very practical, skills focused, um, the combination of it being um, a lot more affordable and very much an option for people. And, and obviously combined with the fact that it's accessible, you can do it any time, irrespective of your situation, whether you're part time, full time, night shift, day shift, you know, no work at all. You can do your education online and actually um, grow your skills and, and learn new skills um, from an online perspective. And I think because of all of those reasons, I think globally, um, people wanting to do courses and learn skills um, and continue to build on skills online will, will continue to grow. I think there's a really interesting thing in terms of um, what technology can and will do in the future in terms of replicating the student-teacher relationship or student-educator relationship. And I think that's where you're going to see a lot of the innovation in, in the future in the industry. Yes, yeah, so I suppose that's to your point that you're not trying to supplant universities it is very much a symbiotic thing right where educators as much as students can get something from this 
Look, I think that's it. And I think there's a really um, important, you know, from an online perspective, one of the things that you can do at scale is get great feedback. So so that's something that we focus on a lot as well is is making sure that we've uh, we've got a very good feedback loop going into our educators so we can optimize the courses that we develop and deliver. Um, Mm -hmm. So our students are very vocal, you know, in in the channels that we open up to them uh, in terms of giving feedback and, you know, constructive feedback in terms of where courses can improve. And again, because it's an online development, it's something that we can implement really quickly and deploy out to students. No, look, it's a fascinating area. There's a there's a huge amount that obviously can be, I suppose, uh, you know, my my mum was a teacher, so so it'd be interesting to get my mum's perspective on it. But the fact that you can iterate education, I suppose, in a way perhaps that you hadn't been able to previously. So it's it's fascinating. It's really interesting to get your insight from the heart of it. And uh, fingers crossed, the business does continue to see growth and, and goes from strength to strength. Absolutely. Thanks, David. Lovely to speak with you. Hayley, uh, it seems like an obvious question to ask. You were unfortunately furloughed, which was a great loss for Tech Talks. Um but it gave you a bit of free time. Um, did you do any online learning in that in that period of time? I didn't do any online learning. It was more of a learn on the job sort of thing. Um, I started a small e-commerce um, skincare business. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, so just doing that on the side. But I could have actually used the Shore Academy because they tell you how to run a business and how to start it all and things like that. So, yeah, I could have actually benefited from that if I'd done a bit of research. But I didn't. I just kind of thought, oh, Give it a go. You know what? I've got no idea how you start a business. Neither do I. <laughs> I started well, you've on Instagram. You've got more now. Yeah. Started on Instagram. Okay, fine. I mean, Akish, do you have any idea? Without wanting to be stereotypical, being from an Asian background, I kind of assume that it's just kind of like something that you know. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think you get taught that before you get taught the alphabet, don't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> at home. It's like, well, you know, you, you want to be a you always I, th- I don't know i think i think being asian you're always encouraged to have like multiple revenue streams like little <laughs> you know little little side hustles you know there's always something like get involved in this get involved in that um i think i kind of know but also with the e-commerce side that hell just said like that's massive at the moment do you know what i mean so gone, gone are the days where people are like oh, i want to start a business so Mm. I need to get a shop, I need to get this, I need to get business cards, I need to get flyers produced. All you need now is a bloody smartphone, really. And, you know, a a decent enough idea, some good kind of marketing. And you can, you know, you hear about people all the time. I mean, look at YouTubers, right? I mean, they they start a business just on, with a camera. And suddenly they start to monetize things. And, and, Mm. you know... um, the money that's that's kind of coming in is ridiculous. I've got a friend who's who started a YouTube channel about a year ago, and he's actually quit his job now, and he's just doing YouTube. And when I actually look at his like views and his like like money side, it's ridiculous. Um, and there's a process because he has to do invoices, he has to like get involved with like all these branding and sponsorships and ads and these things. Okay, yeah. I, would, I will just point this out that over the last three podcasts you've spoken about your mates have all been really successful like bitcoin youtube your yeah. mate who's got like ferraris and stuff yeah. well he's not my mate not, not of them kind of given you any uh, not of them giving you any tips along the way they told me how to become a great recruiter uh um, right okay <laughs> <laughs> um and i'm still reading through that manual at the moment um uh, but yeah fair enough yeah 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 i'm, I'm, so, not, I'm not about that that life to be fair the, uh, Ailey, the the uh, the skincare business. I'm assuming you're not making the products yourself. It's more of a resale type thing. 
No, it's, you know, making all that sort of stuff. All right, okay. It's been a journey, to be honest with you. It's And do you know what? I started it at the beginning of lockdown and I still haven't launched it. <laughs> but, but it's, it's this me, month. It's this month. It's interesting because Tara talks about the fact that she wants, well, sorry, that, that Shore Academy run online courses, four-month online courses with a practical outcome. Mm-hmm. And what you're describing there kind of fits with what they're saying people are looking for. You, you are trying to upskill on a personal level to have practical skills that give you a give you a specific outcome it's not like you're you're learning intangible stuff here that you would put into practice in a workplace environment yeah no definitely and I think that when she says about people are turning their hobbies into a more professional career that's what I've kind of done because it's always been something I've been interested in making skincare that sort of thing and I kind of just kind of put it to put it to practice really and that's the hardest part has actually been the whole marketing instagram side of it it's so full-on and but that's the hardest part for me i think getting followers getting it out there um and i might actually have to look at see see if they've got a course for that because that is probably the hardest part i can't i can't lie yeah yeah i mean i think i think there's a really interesting shift isn't there she talks about the fact that that online learning is becoming more acceptable and it's less about whether or not the course is online or offline. And now there's a change of emphasis. Is it accessible? Is it affordable? And I suppose there will be a massive mindset change now as students go back to university and their classes are online and they're sat in student accommodation, but logging into classes on Zoom, where I think psychologically for that whole generation of students, like to me, it still feels quite weird. Like I... I would want to go and sit in a physical class environment because I'm grey-haired and weird and went to university when that happened. But for those kids, in 10 years' time, it'll be perfectly normal to learn online. Yeah, I'm the same, to be fair. Like I remember when I went to uni, it's what, what, 10 years ago now, uh, my first year, or 11 years ago, actually. But um, the online stuff, it was always like, you know, it was like, oh, you didn't quite make it to uni or you didn't quite get into this course, so, oh, boo you you have to do it online do you know what I mean and it was almost like oh you're doing some weird sort of course and you know you might not get a degree whereas we've got you know taking books and we're in a library and doing this but Mm. now now it's just become the norm really um and I think the fact that Shaw Academy are doing stuff like the you know not not to kind of diss any university courses or any kind of courses that you can use in life so things like let's say a finance course right let's say like a bookkeeping course you could use that in a business but really in order for you to start a business you probably want to know you know how to do certain things so I think she mentioned like trading I think that became massively um, kind of popular over um, you know kind of lockdown with people on furlough and people you know kind of looking to invest or, or you know just just kind of make more money basically um, and the fact that they are allowing access to do that is great because um, if you go on like Instagram, let's say, for example, there's a million and one Forex traders offering their own personal courses, charging you this amount, charging you that. And I think the fact that these guys are a bit more kind of regulated, you know, the content that you're going to get and also the ability to then use it. That makes it a lot better, um, mm. I think. And and yeah, it's, it's just helping. It's helping people out and giving people a way to you know kind of this time as as depressing or as sad or as low as people's 
uh, I guess, mindsets could be, it's also given a lot of people the time to really evaluate their life. And, and that's kind of from, you know, where am I? You know, where do I live? What do I look like? You know, do I need to sort my fitness out? Do I need to you know, sort my career out? Do I actually want to be in this job? And it's just allowed, with people like the Shaw Academy, it's allowed you to then, you know, kind of crack on and, and, and pursue something that you may not necessarily have thought about, you know, or let alone even done, right? If mm. the world didn't come to an absolute standstill. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think it's good, man. I think it's, I think it's decent um, that people are allowed to, to have that opportunity. So as a last thing before we move on, um, if you could take a course... In one subject, what would it be? Oh, I know this is really cliche because I'm a tech recruiter, but I actually think I would go for like coding, software development. Yeah. I actually do think I would. I'd be quite interested in that, actually. I've already looked. It's highly rated on their website, actually. (laughs) I'd go photography, you know. Oh. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by like just photographers and, the, and like the the pictures, and I I would love yeah I'd love to do like sports photography or something like oh very niche yeah yeah, yeah. you thought about that well, I suppose not that niche actually well but, no okay but yeah, yeah yeah specific I, yeah exactly I, I'd love that because uh, yeah I mean just look at BBC Sport for example right and I like, mm. look at some of the pictures when. Hamilton's winning the F1 and they get that moment and mm. cricket, football, you know, whatever, tennis, like, yeah, man. And also you get to watch all these sports shows for free, wouldn't you? So yep. that's, that's the upside. But yeah, I'd love to do photography. I used so to Hayley, do it back in the day, but um, as I've got older, yeah, I've kind of realised I'd love to. Hayley Software Development, Akeisha Photography. I'd probably go for creative writing. I've got a couple of creative writing books on the shelf, like learning books that I've never bothered to read because mm. I just don't but maybe if I join a course yeah mm. anyway um Shore not, Academy not how to Sorry. run a podcast Steve no nah, nailed that now. mate <laughs> <laughs> no no so not the case. so not so not the case uh, <laughs> I'll just carry on mumbling through this uh right um Tara, thank you for being our guest. Really great to hear from Shore Academy. We're going to take a very quick break and then we'll come back with some news. Now that we're officially in the run into Christmas, why not think about giving a gift with a story behind it? Alive and Kicking are using football as a force for good and helping to support mental health education across Africa. You can do the same by giving someone a football from aliveandkicking.org forward slash shop. Now the football's come in retro 90s kit designs. So go have a look and give a unique gift that will help make a huge difference to more than just the person who receives it this Christmas. Tech news for today. Google to lease an extra 70,000 square foot of office space in the UK despite remote working. Mm. Someone make sense of that. Wait, who are they leasing it to for people to stay there, like live? No, no, they are they are leasing out. So new offices will reportedly be near the under the construction uh, land scraper HQ in uh, London's King's Cross. So they are to lease an additional seventy thousand square feet in office buildings close to its one billion pound new UK headquarters, despite telling four and a half thousand UK staff that they'll be working at home until at least July twenty twenty one. 
So this is Google employees. Yeah, this is this is Google taking out masses more office space. That must mean that they're doing it now prior to they they are predicting a boom in recruitment maybe maybe this time has been good for them it probably has i think this time's probably been very good for for the big tech companies yeah Ooh. it's still yeah. A, it's still an odd thing to do in the middle of a especially when you've told four and a half thousand staff that they're not going back until the middle of 2021 yeah i mean yeah. you're right there i think it's a cover-up for something i reckon they yeah. <laughs> oh conspiracy yeah, here we go 100 yeah, <laughs> I, I reckon they've, they've got some money in from off you know from some uh, offshore states and they need to show how they can justify this on their books and they probably got some help. <laughs> they probably got some help. You think it's money laundering? Yeah, oh, sorry. Are you, uh, you uh, making a claim? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, who's going to buy Who's <laughs> going to buy office space? This it is not going to go well, Akish. It ain't going to be cheap, is it? Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> it's not going to be cheap. And who's going to buy it? You know, someone well, tell me who's going to buy it or who's going to so, uh, so uh, Sundar Peach, I can never pronounce his surname, Peachai, uh, their, their CEO, anyway, last week said that the company would focus on a hybrid model that would include both office and remote working. We firmly believe that in-person being together, having that sense of community is super important for whenever you have to solve hard, solve hard problems and need to create something new. We don't see that changing, so we don't think the future is 100% remote. We definitely value our offices. We value the culture, but we need to think about being more, uh, sorry, create more flexibility and more hybrid model. Maybe it's just that they do envisage those staff eventually coming back, maybe not all at once, but at the same time, they need more space because buildings and offices won't be able to accommodate the same kind of numbers in the space that they did before. Yeah, because they're two metres apart. I don't, know, I don't know whether that's necessarily always going to be regulation, but do you, I mean, if we've been out, if we've been out of the office environment for over a year and then you suddenly got sat next to 20 people within close proximity, you might find it a bit weird. Yeah, that's mm. true. Or you might embrace it. I don't know. Might be like, it's oh, a weird one. People. It's a weird one. Yeah. I'd be keen to see who's actually wanting to lease this. It may, it may be all of, um, WeWorks customers going over. Who knows? They've had they've had a bit of a shocker in more recent times, and people want to get away from that brand. I don't know. Do they? Well, I like them. I think they're quite quirky. Them offices. Yeah. Yeah, but they are. They WeWork as a brand are having a very bad time. Okay. Um, Beer on mm. tap. Well, yeah, and dodgy finances. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I think that will do for today. Uh, conspiracy theories aside, thanks for that, Akish. Um, no worries. Our listeners will enjoy that. Credible podcasting. Uh, <laughs> Hayley, it's lovely to have you back on the show. Thank you very much. It's been lovely to be back. I'm sure I'll have more to say next time. <laughs> you had plenty to say. Uh, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>